Hello, my beautiful angels, and welcome to episode 41. This episode, it's all about breakups, how to stop missing an ex, whether you dumped them, whether they dumped you, whether it was mutual. I'm covering all the topics. I've had so many messages from all of you because, of course, as usual, I chucked this on my Instagram and I asked you guys to give me what you would like to sort of respond in that question box asking me for, you know, specific advice on how to stop missing an ex. And the response, as usual from you guys, was massive. So there's a big chance that this episode is actually going to be split up over two episodes. I'll see what I can do. I'll try and, you know, smush it into one, but I'm only going to know as this episode goes on. So we'll see. It might be part one, part two next week. Let's kind of, yeah. Anyway, before we get into that topic, I just want to do a quick wrap up of my week that was, I actually spent the last week, like all of last week in Queensland. It was amazing. The borders had opened up again. So I got to spend time with my uh, all, of course, my parents, my family there, got to see cousins, everyone, friends, uncle, the whole deal. It was amazing. And then Tyrone, my boyfriend came up um, for the second half of that. And then he got to meet all the girls as well. So that we had just such a good time. That was incredible. But something that I was doing on my last day, because my parents are thinking about moving places in Brisbane so they were like kind of trying to my mum is like the biggest streamliner ever it's like it's honestly the two opposites my dad loves like saving stuff and collecting stuff and like isn't really big on throwing anything out and my mum is like the biggest streamliner like for her the best day in the world is if she's like gotten rid of something given it away or thrown it out or you know repurposed something she just loves to streamline so she's like all right if we're going to move we really need to cull all these possessions and she then brought up all these boxes from the basement being like look this is all your shit that we've been storing like is there any way you can cull it down so there I am trying to cull all this stuff down but then you get so carried away you think I'm thinking be ruthless don't get attached so I'm there going through the boxes being like nah 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 but then like I'm pretty good at not getting attached to things, but I've got a weakness and it's, this is fucked to admit, but stuffed toys. I was obsessed with them as a child. And now when I see them, like I revert back to like my five-year-old self and I'm like, oh, it's so cute. Oh, we can't. And it's like part of me thinks that this fucking stuffed toy has a personality and I would be like murdering it if I threw it in the bin or got rid of it. Anyway, so that's obviously something I need to work through. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is that, Turns out, looking back, that I'm destined to be a writer because I wrote so much stuff, especially the main thing I did was write letters to people. So I saved them all from high school when writing letters to my friends. And But the main thing that I used to do was with my cousin Giselle. We grew up together in Sydney and then when I was uh, 10 or 11, moved to Queensland. And we were so tight. We were like sisters. We're the same age. So we started writing each other these handwritten letters letters and they would get bigger and bigger and bigger I'm talking it started off as like a six page letter then I would have to respond with a seven page and then I think it went to like 20 pages or something it was just insane how in like enormous these letters were I honestly don't think like children of today will never understand the struggles of like fair enough we could call each other on the phone it's not like we couldn't call we could of course but then instead of like a text or this or that we thought you know, we wanted to put in the effort and it was this excitement of receiving a letter uh, that we would have 
with each other and that's kind of what like really maintained the closeness of our relationship while we had moved from different states because we used to live one straight away from each other we literally saw each other every single day growing up so the move was really hard in that aspect but what it made me realize and I got really kind of like I was like oh it's like I don't think people including myself just people in general people don't put that much effort in especially kids now because technology everything's so accessible everything's so easy and then you look at it from the dating scene as well when it comes to like oh you know everything's disposable it's so accessible I've got all these people at my fingertips through this app that this idea of putting in this insane amount of energy and time just for one person it's kind of like is that dying because I hope it's not but it feels like a lot of things have changed and yes, you can use the excuse that, oh, we just don't have the time anymore. But I don't know if that's truly the case because we've got time to watch fucking binge shows on Netflix. So I don't think it's a time thing, but I think it's just how we've developed or whatever, but we just don't put the time to do something like that anymore. And it's such an awesome gesture. Like who the fuck receives a letter these days? No one. Like you just get packages in the mail now but you're not getting a handwritten letter anyway so it kind of made me realize like this would be something nice to do maybe not a handwritten letter but it kind of made me realize how Giselle and I used to really invest that time and honestly when I have kids I'm going to fucking make them write letters to their cousins because I'm like this is a very very cool thing to do and it doesn't matter in what generation you're at it doesn't matter where you're living in what time I think it's just something really cool to do because now I can look back at those letters and still read them and laugh my head off. It's just honestly amazing. Separate to that, my cousin and I also started a cigarette company. I'm going to have to go into detail with this. I'm going to get her on the podcast, which is hilarious. Um, But we started a cigarette company called Virginia Blue and we literally had like all these tiny cigarettes that we made, cigarette boxes, cigars, like the actual big box that cigars go in. We got like our mum's old perfume box and, you know, we repurposed this this perfume box and put like the branding. We did a full branding. We even filmed commercials. So when I get her on the podcast, we're going to go in detail about our branding um, strategy for Virginia Blue Cigarettes. Mind you, we were like 13 at the time. And I'm going to, I'm not going to lie, Giselle will murder me, but I'm going to put these Virginia Blue ads that we did. We filmed them ourselves. We both starred in all the ads. I think we did five commercials for it. Um, And I'm going to put it on my Instagram. It's the funniest thing in the world. Or maybe I'll put it on the Facebook group. I'm not sure. But it is hysterical that 13-year-olds are trying to market cigarettes to their family. Anyway, hilarious. But let's move on. Let's get straight into the topic. I want to, What I want to do is just go straight into the topic. And if I've got time at the end, I'll do a brain fact at the end. But I feel it's just, oh, there's so much content to get through. So let's begin. So the way I'm going to structure this podcast is I'm going to start explaining like what's going on in our minds and why it is that we miss people so heavily or why we're so attached to a relationship that's ended. Whether we're the ones that ended it, whether it was mutual or whether they're the ones that broke our heart. Then I'm going to go around and cover some really like big themed topics that I got from you guys when you guys answered that question box in my Instagram. There's a lot of common themes going on here, so I'm going to answer those. And then at the end of the podcast, I'm going to give you a list of questions to ask yourself to kind of start to identify, you know, patterns in your behavior or maybe figure out why this is actually happening. Often we're just kind of on autopilot and we just go on feeling these feelings and feeling sad and terrible, but we don't like take a look inside ourselves and start asking ourselves the really hard questions. So at the end of the podcast, I give you a bunch of like 
harder questions to ask yourself to have some deep reflection time because that might make you, you know, have like an aha moment of like, wait a minute, this is why I'm so attached or wait a minute, that all makes sense now because I was holding on to this when in reality I should have been looking at that. There's all these like kind of, it's all going to kind of make sense when you get to the end and answer these questions. Okay, so let's get into it. Now, what my aim for this podcast is for you to help you decide if you want to move the fuck on or if you want to go back and give it another shot. Of course, if your ex is willing, like say you're in a situation where, you know, maybe they dumped you and now they're coming back or you dumped them and you think that maybe you have. So obviously if the opportunity is there to get back with them, but you're not sure, hopefully this podcast will help you come to that conclusion. And then on the, on the flip side of that, if that's not what you want, it's definitely going to help you put some, you know, thoughts and processes in play for you to actually genuinely start to move on from this person and stop missing them and stop letting this breakup control your life. Okay. So it's going to put shit into perspective. It's going to give you an insight into why you miss them and why you love them. Then probably often we love them more than when we were with them. It's this weird thing and I'll explain why that happens. But yeah, basically that's what I want this podcast to do. I want it to give you answers. Okay. Now, what is going on? Why do we miss people so much once we have broken up? Number one, it's something called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is where you seek to find pieces of information that strengthen what you believed was correct. So for example, if someone breaks up with you and you're now single and you're not really liking single life and you're feeling like you're in a lot of pain, you feel abandoned, you're, you've got a lack of, you know, a bonding chemical oxytocin, you've got a lack of dopamine, like you're feeling shit essentially. So you then think back to the relationship, right? And then you're going to be telling yourself, my life was so much better in the relationship than it is right now. So then what happens is your brain starts to pull out all these things that are going to confirm that belief that you had. It's going to confirm it. So what's it going to do? It's going to start to remind you of all the good times. It's going to start to remind you of that time that they said that beautiful thing or that time that they surprised you or gave you that, you know, present or they, you know, did this really sweet gesture or went and helped your mum to do something. All these things are going to start to crop up the way they laughed, all the, like all the great things. And that is your brain trying to confirm your statement. It's not looking at the whole picture. It's looking at through a very, very focused lens and not looking at the fights, the dramas, the issues that the relationship had, that person's flaws, what made them annoying. It's not looking at that. You are looking at your relationship through rose-colored glasses. So now you're just focusing on the things that made you feel nurtured or loved or cared for. It's going to magnify it and it's this whole concept of the grass is greener on the other side. So it makes you want to go back. Another thing that the brain is doing is it's going into protection mode. The easiest way to fix this issue, because right now you're in the unknown and the brain doesn't like being in the unknown. It's a very difficult place to be because there's two options. You either regress, you fall back or you take a massive growth and you kind of evolve from the person that you were. And falling back, there's two things that falling back can be. It's either slipping back into your old ways, and that could be returning to a toxic relationship, returning to a relationship that just wasn't working, or it could mean just staying in this heartbroken cycle for God knows how long. Um, and then, of course, growth means you learning how to get over them, moving on, changing as a person, developing, you know, 
getting rid of toxic traits if you have them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So from the brain's perspective, the easiest option of the two is the regression option because you know it's kind of like better the devil you know. With the growth option, you don't know what's ahead in the future. It's very unknown. It's fear. It's risk. It's all these things that the brain's not really that thrilled with. Whereas regressing back to the old, there might be some bad to it, but it's it's what you know. And on top of that, your brain's only focusing on the good and not reminding you of the bad. So it's trying to tempt you. It's like that devil being like, come here, come back to the dark side, trying to pull you back over so you feel safe. Because the brain's number one priority is to make you feel safe the unknown doesn't feel that safe so the unknown the moving on the deciding that the closure is up to me taking that step getting over that person getting rid of hope that's very difficult for the brain to do and it takes a lot of effort and sometimes it takes a lot of time not always but it definitely takes a lot of focused effort in order to do that so the brain is really trying to tempt you, tempt you, tempt you to the easier option, which is to regress. Don't put yourself out at risk. Don't put yourself out there. Protect yourself, protect yourself. And weirdly enough, often that the brain's version of protecting yourself is going back to that relationship, even if it's unhealthy. I know it's a flawed mechanism, but that's what's happening. Another issue is that you are glorifying the past. If something isn't going as well as you wanted, you're going to glorify the past because you're comparing it to the now. So again, the whole grass is green on the other side, even if you're the person that dumped them. So this is the fucked thing. Let's say you don't want to be with someone. You break up with them, right? Because you there were clear indicators there that were showing you this is not going to be a good enough relationship to take into my future. So I need to end it now. So you end it, right? Even if they're a nice person, you end it. Then you have a lull period in your life. You're like, wow, I'm really bored. I've actually not met anyone who's that great, really. I'm not connecting with anyone. And then your ex, which you knew you didn't want to be with, starts looking like a really good idea now because you're comparing it. You're glorifying the past. Now your poor fucking ex who's probably trying to move on, you're like, no, no, fuck that. I want you back because I just realized that you actually were good. You're a lot better than what my life is now. So I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. So you bring that person back into your life. Now you're dating. And then you're like, oh, fuck, this is why I didn't want to date them because I didn't feel this way. I didn't feel this. I didn't vibe that. I didn't like that they did that. So you dump them again. And you've just gone and fucked that person over because you're being selfish. And that poor motherfucker is there on this roller coaster riding this wave completely at your mercy because they're the ones that are still so heavily in love with you. So this is what we're going to be working through in this podcast. We're going to work through ways to heal yourself and also ways to not fuck over other people because this is just something that we're so humans in general are so good at fucking over other people because they just want to put their emotions first without thinking about their ex's emotions. So we're going to factor in how you're going to progress further to benefit yourself and your ex. So let's get into it. I'm going to be covering some main topics um, that I got from you guys on my Instagram. So let's see. I kind of wrote these down. Guys, this is, <laughs> this is definitely going to be a two-part series. I can see it already. Okay. Number one is coping with guilt for having dumped someone. There was a lot of these messages from you guys, so I'm really happy that you asked. Thrilled that you asked. Thrilled we're here. Okay, number one, coping with guilt. The first thing you need to think about if you feel guilty for dumping that person is that they will move on. I know it's hard to imagine and it's hard to believe when someone's so heartbroken and seems so devastated, but the truth of the matter is that people 
99.9% of people will get over the relationship at some point or another, whether they take the long route or the short route, they'll get over it. You've also got to realize that you are not the cause of their happiness. I know it's a blow to your ego, but the only person that's really a cause to their happiness is themselves. They just haven't worked that out yet. That's probably why they're still so devastated. But you need to not feel so guilty about it. Now, There's two kinds of guilt that you can feel. There's the guilt because you see that they're sad and then there's the guilt because they're trying to make you feel guilty. If you're in a situation where your ex is coming back like trying to say that they're so devastated, they can't go on, they're now on antidepressants, they're going to end their life, all of that, that's extremely toxic behavior and you need to sever all ties with that person, okay, if that's the case. Now, what they're actually doing. That's an indication of a manipulation tactic. It's an inability for that person to confront their own emotions. So they can't confront their emotions. um, So instead, they think I've got to do everything in my power to get this person back with me, even though I know that they don't love me as much as I love them. It's not an alarm for you to run back to them and be with them because you feel guilty, okay? If they're using these manipulation tactics, you have to completely sever them out of your life. If you're in a situation where you work with them, you're going to have to keep it as professional. You're going to have to be, I know it sounds mean, but you're going to have to be the asshole. You need to stop being their support network. You are the last person in the world who should be the ex's support network after you've broken up. The last person, a fucking hamster on the street would be a better support network than your ex, okay? Don't support them because all you're doing is giving them immense amount of hope. You are fucking up their recovery journey. So if you feel guilty, the best gift that you can do is to sever them out of your life. It's ripping the bandaid off. It's being the asshole. It's being whatever you want it to be. But at at least you're giving them the chance to genuinely recover. You're not giving them hope. You're not dangling carrots in front of them being like, and also you're not reminding them that you're such a great person because Like my ex-ex, for example, when we broke up, I think he felt really guilty. So at one point, like we hadn't spoken for months and then he sends me a fucking email because we were going to go to Bali, right? So I'm just going to deviate from from this story. I'll just, you know, delve into my personal life for a little bit. We were going to go to Bali. And then we broke up well before the Bali trip happened, like two or three months before that trip happened. But he was the one that paid for the flights. So after we broke up, I never thought about that trip again. I didn't think, oh, I gave you money. You No, that's done. It, It was done. He then proceeds like two months later to email me with the title, email, a fucking email with the title Bali Flights. And then he sends me a message saying, um, just letting you know that the flights are yours to do whatever you want with. You can like use them as credit or you can get a refund on them, but they're yours. And I'm like, are you fucking right, cunt? Like I was having a good day and now you've just come to ruin it so while you're there trying to be the so this is what went down he's obviously sitting there knowing I'm devastated knowing that I'm not feeling any better after a few months so he in order to make himself feel better in order to soothe his guilt he tries to do something really kind and charitable to me so from the outset it does look kind of course it's very charitable you're giving me flights to Bali that's so kind whatever But look at it from the person who's suffering's perspective. They might be having a good day. I haven't really thought about him. Then I get an email from him. My heart takes a leap thinking, oh, my God, what could this mean? And then it's like, here you go. Here's a charity. So I'm just focusing on, wait a minute. So not not only did I lose you, but now you're just trying to be extra kind. Like I'd rather you be a dickhead and then I could just get over you easier. 
So if you genuinely care about your ex, my advice to you is be the asshole in the sense that you need to cut the tie, sever them. If you're going to break up with them in the first place, do it properly and give them a chance to get over you. Do not be their support network. Do not continue to ask them how they are. Don't send them shit. Nothing. Okay? That's if you care. If you don't care, then do everything I just said not to do. And then they can suffer forever if you don't give a shit. Okay. Number two, the fear of them getting with someone else who may be funnier or smarter or hotter, etc. Okay. There's a few things going on here. So let's kind of unpack it. Firstly, if you, okay, let's, number one, you've got to realize that it's normal when your ex, even if you're over them, when your ex gets with someone new, it is normal to have feelings of like nostalgia, a bit of a pang in the heart, like, oh, there's someone new, it's that first. It's always the first relationship that your ex gets into. And mind you, not everyone feels this. Like, you know, there's always, everyone's different. But in general, even if you're not in love with them anymore, of course, because I think what it does, I think it's kind of like a, a harsh reminder of everything you went through in the past with them. Now they're with someone new. So it's so don't freak out if you're getting those initial feelings of like, oh, I kind of hurt to see that person with their new partner. That's fine. That's nostalgia. That's whatever it is. I wouldn't stress about those feelings. However, if you were genuinely like suffering at the either at the thought of them getting with someone new or when they do have someone new and you're constantly comparing yourself to them, you're tearing yourself up about it and it's just like, you're suffering so much about their new partner, then this has a lot more to do with your relationship with yourself than it does with your ex. You have a self-love problem. If you cannot get over the fact that they have a new partner who may be, in your opinion, maybe hotter, maybe smarter, funnier, more successful, whatever you want to label it, if that's your fear, or if that's actually manifested and you're seeing it now and it's just tearing you apart, that's got nothing to do with your partner. You just have an issue with how you feel about yourself because you are comparing yourself to that new partner. If you were really truly comfortable with who you were and very confident in your own abilities and you had this crazy amount of healthy self-love and you were, you know, proceeding in life, you had purpose, you were this, you would feel the natural pang of like, oh, it hurts to see them with the new person, but you'd get over it pretty fucking quickly. However, if you're always comparing yourself to other people and feeling jealous because you're insecure about who you are as a person, that is going to feel like a massive attack to you. So that's where the issue lies. In general, it is a self-love thing. Another thing could be that you're including too much information about your ex into your current life. If they're at a stage where they're now moving on, you need to be kind of, and you're still interested in these bits of information, you need to keep that person at a distance. And do you know how many times I get people say, but what if they're in the same friendship group? I've got a bunch of them. I'm not addressing it in its own category, but I've got a bunch of it saying, what if your ex is in your friendship group? You need to create some distance between you and your ex until you can actually get over them. That could be three months, six months, a year. I don't know. Everyone's different, but you need to create distance. If you have the same friendship group, you're going to have to ask your friends to divide the time between the two until you're in a healthy space. If your friends aren't willing to do that, perfect. Find a new friendship group because they're shit friends, okay? So your friends as friends should accommodate that and should help you in your hour of need to get over this person. If they're not willing to do that, goodbye, good riddance, okay? But may I just say, if you are in a friendship group 
with your ex and you don't and you're trying to create distance and whatever and then your friends want to go and hang out with your ex you have to totally allow that right you can't be making your friends feel guilty for maintaining a friendship with both parties okay you've got to keep your relationship separate from who your friends can be friends with you know like you can't be saying I can't believe you went and saw him when you know that I'm heartbroken or whatever like you've got to respect the group in order like if if you want them to respect you and divide their time then you also have to respect that they have a friendship with your ex as well so don't get all toxic on their ass because then you really will lose them as a friend um yeah I hope that that's addressed that issue uh what else oh something else I wanted to say Oh, yeah, if you're not sure yet completely on everything that I'm saying here and you do struggle with the whole comparing yourself to the ex, then go back and listen to my Jealousy podcast and my Comparison Will Kill You podcast and it's going to give you some tools and hacks on how to actually like step-by-step manage exactly what you do in that situation, okay? So I would highly recommend you do that if you're feeling this way right now. All right, number three, I've actually had a few people message me about this ex sex when you keep going back to your ex for sex especially and I get it I get it right like you normally have great connection with your ex like if you've been dating then your sex is probably pretty good because you've kind of got it down to a fine art it's not like a one night stand this is what occurs when you have sex in general okay you're releasing a bonding chemical called oxytocin so that's um, a chemical that allows you to bond closer with people this happens with friendships the, the biggest release of oxytocin that will ever be experienced by a human is when a mother gives birth to a child. It's a massive release of oxytocin and that what, what creates that initial very strong bond with the child, okay? But it is a bonding chemical and it is released during sex, during laughter with other people, during a whole bunch of things. Separate to that, you're also getting dopamine and serotonin, so that's feel-good and reward neurotransmitters, like, in, like neurotransmitters that encourage more of the same action. So the reason why often, like, say you put the relationship aside. Say you're in a casual sex relationship that's ongoing for a prolonged period of time. In most cases, obviously not all, but in most cases, one of the two is going to get attached, right? Because you feel this connection with that person. You're bonding. You're doing something that's quite intimate. And if it's a one-night stand, okay, fine, it fades very quickly. But if it's an ongoing thing, then you run the risk of actually catching feelings for this person. Now look at it from a relationship standpoint. Not only did at one point you love each other, but then every time you have sex, you're bonding quite intensely, especially because you now know this person. So it's a deeper, a much deeper bond when you sleep with someone who you're dating than it is in a casual, you know, in a one night stand or whatever. So then if you break up, but continue having sex with that person, then you continue to release all these bonding chemicals. So it's very confusing for the brain because you're not able to fully sever the attachment to that person unless you've totally tapped out. But I can guarantee you that if you have tapped out, then there's something going on on your ex's end where they're probably feeling this um, intense bonding. And the reason why I'm saying that is because there's no way in hell you would be messaging me right now asking me what to do about ex-sex if you didn't think it was a problem. So there's a fucking problem here, okay? So just keep in mind that there's always going to be one person more attached after a breakup than the other. And this sex is extremely detrimental for that person's recovery. So my advice to you guys is to find someone else to root. You broke up for a reason. So make that a clean cut breakup and just stop messing with your head or with that person's head. Just don't do it. Don't do it. What's the point? You're wasting your time. Go have some fresh sex with some, I don't know, some new 
P or V or anything else, okay? Enjoy it. Go live your best life, but don't, don't, just don't. Anyway, moving on. Okay, number four. When you're attached to the family more than you are to your ex. Okay, this is quite like a tricky one to navigate because I understand, obviously, when you date the person, you date the family. Yes, it is possible to maintain a relationship with the family of your ex. I've seen that happen many times and I've seen it happen quite successfully, especially with the siblings because they're of a similar age and you're probably hanging out with them and, you know, whatever. But it can be with the in-laws, the parents, whatever. Look, it's definitely possible. But what I would recommend you do is that you have to respect the wishes of your ex, okay? You've just got to have that integrity and, and really respect it. If your ex says, look... I'd rather you didn't because of X, Y, Z, then maybe, and if you're really attached to the family, maybe you can say to them, would it be possible if we then revisited this in six months, right? Because if you're really that tight with the family, with all of that, then six months is not a long time and then you can regain that connection if you think it's appropriate. However, having said that, and I'm speaking from experience because I did this years ago, is it possible that the reason that you want to see the family all the time is because you're clinging on to hope with your ex and you're hoping that if you maintain a strong connection with the family, the family talking about you will continue to like instill some really positive ideas about you in your ex's mind and it's going to get your ex to come back to you. If you're if there's a second agenda as to why you want to keep their friends and family close because you think it increases your chances of getting back together, then I recommend you break up with the family at the same time that you break up with your ex. When a breakup occurs, do not involve anyone else in it. Don't try and get someone to like sing your praises to your ex. It's done and you need to kill all hope, okay? So when it comes to the friendship to the family, it's got to you always have to kind of run it past your ex and make sure regardless if you broke up or if they break up it's still their family and you still have to make sure that they're okay with it because you also don't want to be putting your ex into an uncomfortable position with their own family members okay so it's got to be quite like you've got to navigate that with a lot of respect okay number five what happens when you feel like they were the one and you're not going to find anyone else better because they were the absolute love of your life so this here again comes down to an issue with your relationship with yourself. I am going to stand here and say that I don't believe for a second that there is such thing as one love for everyone. You, it's possible that you can fall in love with someone at 17 and that be your one love for your whole life because it's a successful relationship. But even those people who have had a successful relationship from 17 to 90 years old, it, had they broken up at 25, I can guarantee you they would have found another big love along the way. You can have multiple loves. There's no, it's ridiculous. There's like 7 billion people in this world. What are the chances of your one love being in your same town? You know, it's, it's pretty outrageous. Okay. However, if you are telling yourself that you're never going to get anyone like them, you're never going to find someone who loved you the way they loved you, it's never going to happen. The first thing you need to do, there's two things you, you've got to look at it. Number one, there's the initial heartbreak and the initial feelings of abandonment. That's totally normal and you feel so sad, so low, you feel with zero motivation. That's normal heartbreak. So don't stress about that. And if you're feeling these feelings of I'm never going to find someone like that soon after the breakup, I wouldn't stress. I'd just try and like give myself time, give myself patience, you know, not try and focus on them, get rid of hope, all those things. 
However, if you feel that these feelings are going for a prolonged period of time for like maybe a year or six months, whatever, whatever you deem to be a prolonged period of time, I can't make that call for you. If you feel that that's happening, then you need to look at your self-love behaviors and see if you have a healthy relationship with yourself. Because often if you're looking at your ex thinking, oh my God, that was so incredible that no one else is going to match that. No one can do this. No one can. Chances are that you were putting your ex on a pedestal. That doesn't mean that they weren't amazing. But the idea that you're telling yourself in your head that no one can be like them is pretty elaborate and dramatic. There are many, many, many good people out there. They're not going to be exactly like your ex, but they might have similar qualities and attributes or traits that make them an amazing person and that can make you as happy. So if you're telling yourself that, then you've put your ex on a pedestal and you're almost saying to yourself, that person was too good for me. If you don't think you're capable of achieving that again in the future, you're telling yourself, my ex was too good for me. So you need to change your language and kind of get to the headspace where you can realize I'm going to use my ex as an expander. If I was able to be in a relationship that was that great with a love that was that big, then it's possible for me to achieve that again. Another thing that you might be doing if you are thinking that about your ex and you're putting them in such a high esteem thinking that they were the one, the one, the one, is that you've got to find ways to, if, if all you're thinking is about your ex, there's a big chance, like I said at the start of the podcast, there's a big chance that you're only focusing on the good. So you need to try and humanize your ex a little bit to realize that that person, while they were so great, still has certain flaws because this this is what will happen. You have this idea of your ex being like the best person in the world. No one can be as good as them. And then when someone else comes along and you try and date them, you'll see a few flaws and you'll be like, no, 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 no. See, my ex wouldn't do that. My ex wouldn't do that. But the truth is... Your ex might not have done that exact thing, but your ex definitely had flaws. So what I recommend you do, if you're in a situation where you absolutely cannot stop thinking about them, you need for every one or two good things that you think about your ex, you have to remind yourself of like the top three most annoying things that they would do. Just keep that top of mind and that that makes them human again. It doesn't make you a hateful person, but it just makes you realize that they too possessed annoying traits or did things that infuriated you or things that you didn't like or that weren't ideal or that clashed with you and that is going to help you kind of bring that person off the pedestal make them human again realize they're not a better person than you and there are going to be other people out there okay take them down from the pedestal number six what if I have the urge to text them especially when I'm drunk Okay, this happens with a lot of people where they go and drunk text their partner. This is not some demon that lives inside you that hijacks your brain that decides to text your ex when you're drunk. It is you playing out what you truly want to do when you're drunk. So if you're drunk texting your ex, it means that you want to text your ex all the time, full stop. You're not going to do something that you don't want to do just because you're drunk. You're not on methamphetamines, okay? You're just drunk. So it means that you need to look at your behaviors throughout the entire day, not just when you're drunk texting. It means that you still have a strong desire to have a contact or be in contact with your ex. You can go and delete the number. That's a possibility. But knowing what we're like, we still have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have WhatsApp. There's a million different ways of contacting this person. So while deleting the number is the first step, you in your drunken state will find many other avenues to reach out to that person. So what I recommend you do is you need to create a situation where it makes it more of a challenge to contact your ex. So you need to, if you have been contacting them on and off, 
and there is there is this existing kind of pattern of like random communication here and there, then you need to speak like send them one final message saying, just letting you know, we shouldn't be texting this and that. I'm trying to end it here. I'm trying to move on. So I'm going to need like kind of like a, a gap time where I'm not contacting you at all and whatever. They'll probably agree. They'll probably be fine with that. And then what happens then after you've sent that message? It's going to feel more awkward and more uncomfortable for you to then go and drunk and text them after that. Because when you're drunk, you still have some sort of knowledge around what you were doing, right? To an extent, unless you're mixing it with another substance. So there's a big chance that you're going to then feel a lot more uncomfortable to drunk text them. However, if you've been in communication, it's not that hard to go and drunk text them. You don't feel that uncomfortable, all right? So you need to kind of really set some serious boundaries in place with your ex. Send them a message if you are still in communication and make it very clear that you need to not communicate with each other, okay? And if you're in a position where you genuinely believe that you have no self-control when you're drunk, like I genuinely... I'm not a fan of when people just throw all the blame on alcohol. If you're genuinely somebody that has no control when you're drunk whatsoever, you should not be getting drunk, okay? You, you, you just not you, – you don't tolerate alcohol properly and you shouldn't be getting drunk. It's either that or you're making excuses for your own behavior. You're not accountable because what's going on is that you either have a serious intolerance towards alcohol where you cannot control yourself and that's a small percentage of people because even at their drunker state, people still have some awareness of what's going on, okay? So either you're at that level where you have no control. If you are in that category, stop drinking to that extent. Take some accountability for your actions or you do have control but you're blaming alcohol for, for the actions that you play out that you truly want to play out um, but you only are confident to do that. Alcohol is your confidence blanket and you only do that when you're drunk. So pick one of the two. Okay, number seven. Now this one I've had, I'm going to read out one specific one, but um, I've had a few messages that are quite similar to this one. So you, you might be able to relate if you wrote me one that was similar. So this is what it says, what this particular message said. Him going back with his ex after saying how miserable and controlling she was when he was still dating me. So obviously now this guy, we used to bitch about his ex to you. Um, and now that you guys have broken up, he's now back with his ex. So firstly, the number one point that I want to mention is that that is none of your business what he chooses to do now that you are no longer in a relationship with him. It does not matter what he said to you. These are his actions and that's going to, you know, impact his life. What if he wants to be miserable? What if he was lying? So you don't know. It's none of your business and you need to not make it your business. However, something you need to also realize is that miserable or not, controlling or not, that woman or he, I should say, he is getting his needs met in some way, shape or form. Not all of them, obviously, because they broke up once in the past, but there are certain things that he feels are important and she is providing that for him, right? No one is in a relationship unless they're getting some sort of a need met. Even if it, you know, even if it's toxic, even if, you know, it's not like a healthy relationship or the love truly isn't there, you either feel validated, you feel nurtured, you feel comfortable, you might feel safe or if you're super insecure, you might be with someone that makes you feel secure. It doesn't matter, but that is what is happening. So he would not have gone back to her if it was a total disaster. Another thing you need to keep in mind is that he might have bitched to you about her, 
But there might be a lot of good about her that, of course, he's not going to say to you. It's not quite a pleasant conversation to have if, you know, you're only like singing your ex's praises to the current girlfriend. So he's giving you a very skewed look or skewed opinion of his ex-girlfriend. So you've only heard the bad. I'm sure he hasn't shared a lot of the good, nor would he feel comfortable sharing a lot of the good about his ex with you. Um Another thing is that it's a one-sided thing. You know, you only hear the story from him and not her. And they might have had a toxic or tumultuous relationship. Irrelevant. But the main point that I want to bring up here is it does not matter what your ex chooses to do. Let's say, let's say that he's now back with his ex and he's more miserable than ever. And you were right. So, what's your point? You know what I mean? You've achieved nothing. You're just dwelling on the past. You're dwelling on someone that's no longer with you. You're wasting your energy. This energy that could be spent on yourself, on your self-love, meeting new people, having a good time. You're there using up that energy, thinking about someone who's now dating someone apparently miserable. Who cares? Let them live their miserable life. Be gone, I say. Okay, number eight. Um, This is going to be the second last one that I'm going to go to the questions and I'm going to definitely have to do a part two of this um, series. Okay, number eight. How to move on when they want to be friends. So obviously you're in a situation where someone's called the breakup. I don't know who you really are trying to move on. That person wants to keep you in their life to be friends. And obviously you're genuinely considering it. Otherwise you wouldn't have written in. So obviously there's factors about them where you may be considering being their friend. What you need to do is tell them to back off until you've done proper healing. You say, I'm, I need some space. I need to you know, wait three or six months. And when I'm feeling better and I'm ready to welcome this back into my life as a friendship, then I will contact you, okay? That's what you need to do. Now, it sounds pretty simple. So what's probably going to happen is that they will try and resist that because they want you as a friend in your life, okay? If they don't respect that you need your space, that they need to back off you for a few months to let you move on, then that is not a friendship. What they want is your attention. They want your attention and they want you to desire them. Hence why they're keeping this quote-unquote friendship. A true friend would understand you and be accommodating to your needs and would say, here's your space. I really don't want to lose you long-term as a person in my life. Take the time you need. Please contact me when you are ready to have a friendship because I don't, I can't afford to lose you as a person in my life. A toxic motherfucker would say, you know, if you cared about me, if, you know, if you thought that if you, if you were a real friend, of course you'd be there for me. I'm also having a hard time. I'm also struggling here. We've got to support each other. That's toxic. That's, you know, um, that's manipulating, that's emotional blackmail. That's not a friend, okay? And if they're doing that, then there's your answer. You've got to realize that you are entitled to your space and your time, as much time as you need. Anyone who makes you feel guilty for not giving your attention or not giving away your time to them when you are not in a position where you're able to do so, as in you're not emotionally available to do so, um, that just means that they are not actually thinking about you. They're thinking purely about themselves. They are a shit friend and you don't need them in your life. So if that's the case, you just do a clean cut, end of story, no friendship and no relationship. What you do, you tell them you need to heal and you'll reach out to them when you have done so. If they can't accept that and if they can't respect your boundaries, then that is the trash taking itself out. You don't waste a second more with a person like that. If they're a good friend, they'll respect it, they'll give you time and then you reach out in three, six, whatever, however many months that you need. Okay, last one. Number nine, 
We see each other in our future, but circumstances make it hard to be together. I've kind of reworded it because some people talk about certain job contracts. Some people are talking about long distance. Some people, there's all this. Long distance was a common theme, for example. So you long distance and the distance is what's keeping you from being together. What you need to do is you need to make some strong calls here because really what you're doing right now is just avoiding reality to be in a situation where you're still calling and messaging without coming with coming up with a game plan is that you are avoiding reality so you've got three options really you've got to look at it as three options like call a spade a spade option number one you date long distance but it's clearly not working for you or you wouldn't have written in okay you date long distance um that's option number one but you're probably discarding that because it looks like it doesn't work for you. Option number two, you come up with a timeline of when one of the two of you is going to move to the other person's city. So somebody has to make that sacrifice and somebody has to move to the other person. If that is absolutely not possible, then there's the third option and it is to end it all together. It is done. You don't communicate with them. You don't call them. You sever them out of your life. Just like this whole, you know, getting over your partner until you can be friends again. It's this whole thing. You need a clean cut, a clean break until you can comfortably feel like I've genuinely gotten over this person, I can now be their friend, I can now resume communication with them. You have three possible options. There's no real alternative apart from that. You either accept this long-distance relationship with no end in sight of like when you're going to live together, you are prepared to move to where they live or vice versa, or sever, cold sever until, you know, the two of you can resume a friendship if ever. That is the only way to do it. But what you'd, what people often do is they, they think, oh, maybe things will change in a month. Maybe I'll meet someone in a month. Maybe No, 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 no. Don't wait for change to chase you. You have to implement the, the change. You have to be the one to be like, I'm not going to wait for something to change. I'm not going to wait for something to occur for me to come up with this revelation. That's not going to happen, unfortunately. And you're just going to waste time. And before you know it, it's been one, two, three, four years and you're still in the same situation, wasting your time, okay? Make a call. That is my advice to you. Now I'm going to ask you, so to wrap up the podcast, what I want to do is finish with a bunch of questions to ask yourself. And it's going to get you, these questions will hopefully get you in a more proactive mindset, like a, a, a seeking change, a seeking something different mindset versus the cycle that you're in right now where you're kind of mourning this loss you're not really able to get over it you keep kind of thinking the same thoughts again and like you're not seeing any progression okay so I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions you may or may not find them relevant to your situation but a lot of these questions are gonna you're gonna see that if you answer yes or no to them you can then go back to certain topics that we've covered within this podcast and re-listen to them and that will answer the question hopefully okay number one was my relationship really as good as the narrative in my head or am I choosing to remember it that way? Two, what facts about myself am I avoiding about this relationship? I.e., was I toxic? Was I controlling? Was I giving less than that person was giving me? Number three, what can I learn from this past relationship and where can I grow? Number four, what toxic traits or behaviors can I identify so I don't, don't take them into the next relationship? Number five, am I giving this person all the credit for the relationship being so good? Number six, am I expecting closure from this person to avoid dealing with the pain of letting go? Number seven, did I lose part of myself in this relationship and can I look at this breakup as gaining my sense of self back? And lastly, number eight, 
do I miss this person because I'm worried that I'll never get anyone like that again? All right, guys, those are the questions. Ask yourself those questions. Have some serious reflection time. Do the work. Listen to the podcast again if you feel that it will help you answer those questions. That's all for this week. Next week will be part two of this. I'm going to do it like back to back because I know that in the past I've done, you know, split them up and not done them back to back. So part two is coming next week. Very excited. There's way more to talk about. I'm going to be talking about closure um, and just a whole bunch of other things. So it's going to be good. I'm going to be talking about breakups when you have children. I'm going to be talking about when someone cheated on you, those things next week. So it's going to be a good chat Um, that's all guys. Remember, um, keep sharing, rate and review the podcast as well, please. Uh, that always is going to help me. And I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for all your support and your continuing support. I really, really appreciate it. Keep sharing it, tag me in it. Even all your DMS guys, I don't have all the time to respond to all the DMS in my Instagram, but I do read them all. And it actually means the world to me to hear the impact that the podcast has had on you. So I really appreciate when you take the time to write me a message. It is like, it's awesome for me to be able to read that. So thank you so much. Um, That's all guys. Have an amazing week. Have a great Sunday. If you're listening to this when it's just come out, love you all so much. Big love. Um, Be kind, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brain. Please don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.